Welcome into Potty Podcast Cinema. I am Dan. With me, as always, is Andy, and we come to you on a Wednesday, December eighth, with a ton of stuff to watch. Uh, we got done. We got. We started to see a lot of things. My girlfriend's out of town, so I just, I just vegged out. I did nothing but play video games and watch movies and catch up on TV shows. And uh, let's get into it, man. First off, Dexter. Holy crap! This this it, I, this is the best season. This is the best season of Dexter. Yeah, it, it really is. It's it's the original writer and creator, and he's been given a much higher budget, and he's had years to think about what he wanted done correctly. And I just the big question to me is: Will this be? It, it's currently listed as a miniseries. Okay. Will this be a lot of miniseries? were billed as a miniseries, and then they were so popular that it got greenlit for season two. Yeah. So is this a one-season revival of the show to finish it and wrap it up like he said he wanted to do? Or will there be a season two? So obviously we'll know if, if Dexter be dead yeah. <laughs> at the end of the season because it's, it's heading one of two directions, in my opinion. It's heading towards a two-season multiple arc show or three or whatever uh, where he and Harrison end up uh, maybe killing people together. That's what I'm <laughs> and he thinking. Starts, yeah, I think he's going to be like his father and teach the ways to his son. Or uh, is Harrison trying to collect the evidence to prove that his dad is the Bay Harbor Butcher because that would be his code yeah. to kill his dad. Oh. Uh, and I mean, there's a lot of, you know, if it's that one, then we'll know. And there will be no season two. But uh, yeah, I don't know, man. This is this has been, God, it's been such a good season. Yeah. It's, it. Every storyline is, is happening correctly. Uh, and we got to see uh, Batista. We did get to see Batista. I think, came back. I think he's going to be in it a little bit more. because I, So I was looking at the episodes that are coming up. And it's got the next two of them. So I just read a little bit because I didn't really want to get into it too much. But um, the seventh episode. So we just watched the fifth, which got a 9.1. Deservedly so. So the seventh episode, it says, an old colleague from Miami Metro is in Iron Lake spelling trouble for Jim. And so I'm thinking Batista might come up. Or do you think they pull someone else? I think it's Batista. I don't see why you need more than Batista. Agreed. In this show from Miami. Uh, LaGuerta was just the worst. I hope we don't have to see her. Uh pretty much everybody else is dead i mean they've already got they've introduced an interesting blood spatter expert <clears throat> you don't need to bring i just blanked on the asian guy's name uh, uh, uh masuka masuka that was like in a, a second in command so i don't want no i don't want masuka back he's a he, he he was barely tolerable back then and now i i don't think he was a character that ages very well and i think he, having yeah, him I, now would be a bad, bad idea. I, I agree. I, I don't see any reason. I mean, he could have also, by the way, changed. I mean, that could be part of the interesting part of his character. Is he's a dad now from the last season. Yeah, that's true. And uh, you found out he had a daughter. Maybe he's changed. Who knows? But, uh, but yeah, I don't see any reason to bring anyone other than Batista back. I thought they brought him in the right amount. Um, the only thing... The only thing that was at all cringeworthy to me was just like, oh, she just happens to be Batista, who just happens to tell him Dexter's son's name, who just happens to, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. all right, uh, and, and the copy meet just happens to be dating Dexter, like, uh, I, yeah, fine. I agree, some of that was a fine, little bit tough. But, but, but I'll roll with it, I'll roll with it, because everything else is written so well, that I just wish there had been maybe a more, 
pointed reason she'd reached out to him specifically. Yeah. Like if she had found something out that felt weird, like like I love that Harrison says like while he's totally drugged up, like it's not even his real name. Yeah. Like, I feel like if she heard that and then she followed up with like, oh my god, what is this guy? And and sees Dexter. You know, that was Dexter Morgan is like, oh, he killed himself for some reason. Let me reach out to this Miami PD where he worked and see if there's a reason he might have done that. Yeah. Right? Like, I feel like that would have been a more natural progression of the story. Than, it would have taken Let's longer. just have her randomly going to a place where Batista happens to be the speaker yeah. who happens to hit on her a little bit later in the episode. Well, it does sound to like Harrison's name. Yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah, I agree. But, it's it, it was a little bit. It felt a little bit forced. Um, forced but I'm yeah. not gonna. I'm not mad at just because the rest of the show. If the rest of the show is this good, I'm gonna give it a little leeway. Especially because the way that you suggested, where maybe the girl keeps researching it, that's gonna take a long time to unfold. Where it, to make it where it wouldn't feel forced. Where is to go about it this way. Um, it also gets Batista in Iron Lake because. Having yeah, him in Iron Lake is a huge hurdle because no one knew who Dexter. But as soon as he sees Dexter, uh, and remind me, in yeah, the end, over. they all knew Dexter was the Bay Harbor Butcher, right? No, they don't. They suspect. Some people suspected, but they did not prove it. Okay, they just um, think so that they, he so they, died. They just think he, his sister got killed and he drove into a, a a monsoon. Is that what the people thought? Well, well, they don't think he just drove into a monsoon. I mean, they just. They thought his boat was out like it always is uh, in certain areas. But uh, and, and no, they said at one point they said or they say at one point in the investigation, we even thought maybe it was one of our own, um, which they did think it was one of their yeah, own. They never thought Dexter. it was Dexter. Yeah. Uh, but is there someone he killed to for suspicion? I might have to I go back and remember. watch that episode uh, as painful as it might be. I might have to go back and watch it just just to make the new show better. So I'm caught. Yeah, because there was the older guy that was friends with his dad. That's played by oh god, the guy, the guy wild, that's in that. Wild all Bill from uh, from Deadwood. Who's that? Carradine. Carradine. Oh, you're ta- okay. You yeah, the guy that was played Wild Bill in Deadwood. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes. Carradine. Carradine. Keith Carradine? Is that it? Uh, that's who we were talking about, but I was actually thinking of the guy. Oh, my goodness. He was living in a van or something like that. Uh, uh, Peter, Peter Weller. Peter Weller. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Peter Weller. Yeah, he was friends with Quinn. Yeah, and I was wondering if he was uh, the one. I can't remember. So, anyway, we, we both need to go back and watch it because, yeah, yeah. Some, something happened at the end. But. No, they did. I don't think they proved it was Dexter or were positive. I think there was like the, the idea that it could have been, but they believed he's dead. So yeah, once Angel sees him, there'll be, oh my God, you're alive! You fake your death, and then why did you fake your death? Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. So that'll lead to everything else. Um, yeah, I like it. I like. I like. I like Batista being up there. Uh, I love the way that the son betrayed Dexter without necessarily. You don't know if he really meant to or not. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you don't know if the drugs made him say that, or if he really said it. And and more importantly, the drug when he was drugged up and said that, he was acting as if he were truly hurt that his dad didn't believe him. Yeah. But you believe from what Dexter shows you from the blood spatter analysis, he is lying. So his dad shouldn't believe him, right? So like, why is he? You know, was this calculated? Is he pretending to be hurt so that he could pretend to leak Dexter's real name? 
to to this girl like yeah. I I don't know, man. He was, dude. He was on fentanyl and X. Uh, I believe that he didn't know what was going on. Yeah, I think you're right. But like, why is he hurt that his dad didn't believe him? Like, he's he is lying and did kill that. Because I think so, he, I think he knows. I think he suspects something about his dad because he knows about the Trinity Killer. He knows there's something going on, and so I think he suspects something about his dad. And he thinks, okay, this is this is my last family. This is he could be like me, and. You know, this is his last. This is what his purpose was. He went from Argentina to Miami to. I didn't realize it was upstate New York. For some reason, I was thinking they were in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, yeah, I, I did too for a long time. Until yeah. they, they said something about it in the second episode, and I was like, "Oh, oh, they're New York." Well, in this one, she's like, uh, "They went to Manhattan." I was like, "Oh, Jesus, that's a long way." And then she talk, talks about being upstate New York. I was like, "Oh, okay, yeah." I was thrown off on that. But uh, yeah, because they dr- they say we'll drive. I was yeah. like, what? <laughs> that's a long <laughs> drive to Manhattan. Um, that's a, that's a good but I yeah I think this I think it's he's hurt because he thought this was his this the journey ended here with his dad and now he's he you know he's kind of torn I just keep yelling I keep yelling at the screen just tell him who you are Dexter just just tell him I want well, them to start hunting you, together how do you tell your son that you think might be a perfectly normal guy hey I'm a serial because person. he doesn't think he's a perfectly normal guy he thinks he has the dark passenger too he's, well he's just yeah he's just now thinking it so I think I, what I want to, the mystery to me is more, has Harrison already had something happen dark, right? Like I, I suspected partially maybe he killed his mom and it wasn't cancer because that's off screen. Yeah, you said that. You know what I mean? Be, yeah. but, uh, or uh, has he killed somebody else because he's, he's, he's struggling with this whole Trinity killer thing that killed his mom and he does have a dark passenger? Um, or is he, because Dexter says as he's like, doing his own examination of the blood spatter. He's like, uh, you know, his, his inner self, who's played by his sister, says, uh, he did attack first. Why would he do that? And Dexter says, uh, he's seeing how it, he wants to see how it feels. Yeah. So is this his first time he's ever had that? He's because pretty sloppy he's, for it to not be his first time. He's sloppy, but I mean, at the same time, he's been doing a great job of it. But I'm wondering. I'm wondering. No, I'm saying if uh, he did. If this is, I'm thinking this is his first time, just because he was so sloppy with this kid. Well, a the kid lived, and it just looks. Yeah. It just looks sloppy. He didn't sneak up. It, it seemed like it was a spur of the moment thing after being heated by listening to the Trinity Killer uh, podcast. So I don't. Yeah. I liked your he, your idea that he killed his mom and stepmom, and that he was kind of making his way. But I feel like the sloppiness of this. Uh, means that he's just now starting to get into it. I, th- I think you may be right, but like, does he know who Dexter is? Because I, I, I think I he knows know. he's the Bay Harbor Butcher. Yeah, because he's experimenting with this stuff. He's and I think he's really what he's tortured by is he brought that letter all the way to his dad, and he's like, "What do you mean? Do I have dark tendencies?" Yeah, like he wants to understand why does Dexter believe that I could have dark tendencies? Yeah, and in my opinion, it's because he's like, "I do." How did he know that? Yeah. Right. And then he went to Miami right after Argentina. So maybe, he, you know, he's obviously researching his father. Mm-hmm. If he knows his father's still alive, you know, because he found it from the letter, it shouldn't be that hard for him to put two and two together and figure out he was a Bay Harbor butcher. Yeah. Right. I, that's when he died. And Yeah. I'm, I mean, this is kind of like when we watched the shield, it's so fun to speculate about all the things, but so far it's been thrown off. Uh, like I have, we haven't really kept time. anything right, so 
Uh, yeah, I like I like both of our ideas. I can't wait to watch more of this. This is let's see how yeah. many episodes this is. But I feel like can't we could wait. I feel like we could sit here and ponder all day. Uh, but there's oh, ten absolutely. episodes, and so we are halfway through. Damn, we are halfway through the show. Uh, I know. I'm the good impressed. news is there's uh, there's another good show that's on, and uh, that's Mayor of Kingstown, and it is fantastic also in a related story uh taylor sheridan tyler sheridan who uh is the showrunner for created this and no it is taylor sheridan created this and yellowstone is basically buying out paramount they've given him a huge deal (laughs) he's got like you 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 were telling me this he's got like six projects coming out all at paramount and to be honest i don't know what else paramount plus has so good for them for knowing where their bread is buttered and just kind of continuing this yeah, I mean, they've got very little because I believe they canceled that, uh, oh, what was the remake for their Black Mirror, uh, uh, Twilight Zone. They canceled oh, yeah. Twilight Zone. They've got uh, they've got the Star Trek shows, and they've got the Taylor Sheridan shows. And as far as I know, at least at least as far as what's popular, that's it. Yeah. So, yeah, they've got Mayor of Kingstown, Yellowstone, two Yellowstone spinoffs. 1883. A show called... Yeah, a show called Kansas City, which we'll get into later, okay. and then there's one more project uh, being rumored to that he's getting into with with a co-writer. So, yeah, they'll have six Taylor Sheridan shows going at one time on Paramount Plus that all have kind of a darker Taylor Sheridan typical feel to them. Yeah. Um, and uh, but but set in different time periods too, which is kind of interesting. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm actually, I'm going to watch that 1888. I, yeah, I have never too. seen Yellowstone, yeah, uh, but I'm going to give that other show a shot because it takes place hundreds of years before or a hundred years before. So it can't, you sh- there's no way you should have to have seen one to see the other. I would yeah. Say. Yeah. Especially, yeah. Since it's a prequel. I agree. Uh, there might yeah. be little Easter eggs, I imagine. Sure. The people watched yeah. it, but, uh, the cast is really great. And Sam Elliott. Tim McGraw, I've seen him in a few things. He's been fine. Faith Hill, I've never seen anything in. Uh, but okay, they're going to play a couple. I feel she like, feels like she could fit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Billy Bob Thornton's going to be in it. Uh, Sam, oh, you said Sam Elliott. Yeah. yeah there's, he looks glorious. Yeah. Monica Garrett. That, he looks so familiar, but I can't think of where I know him from. Oh, yeah. 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 I've seen him in a few things. Uh, he's a, he's oh, a so large man. Sense of Anarchy, Designated Survivor. Oh, yeah. He's got. He's got a list. Delilah. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, it looks good. I don't know when that comes out. But back to the lecture at hand, Mayor of Kingstown. So we've got the, I believe we got the fifth episode of this one. Is that right? Uh, we did. We just got the fifth. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the fifth one uh, called Orion. And basically this one picks up right after the fourth episode where uh, McClesson, you know, Jeremy Renner's brother and the other, Hugh Dillon, who also wrote the show, they are in the pizza shop just trying to take down a, um, a, a tweaker from robbing a pizza place. Trying to do it. It looked, I mean, I don't know anything about police procedure, but it looked like they were trying to be on the money with it. And you and I kind of have different, different uh, opinions of what happened. And we were talking about that before the show. So I, what I was under the impression was that the cop was there. He was getting something, noticed the tweaker. And then, because at one point, the, the staff come out. And he, he kind of waves him back into the kitchen, like saying, I got this, waiting for his partner to come up uh, behind to put a gun on the tweaker so he can end peacefully. Mm-hmm. And then what I think is the other pizza guy that was working there thought, okay, the I'm going to help them. 
I'm going to help them. He had a gun. And when they turned on the tweaker, he started shooting too. And they, the cops turned around, just heard gunfire, just turned around and immediately shot. Just training kicking in. And so it wasn't really anyone's fault. If anything, it was the pizza guy's fault. He should just let the cops handle it. They, they've, got, they've got all that taken care of. You don't need to be involved. And I think he accidentally got killed trying to help them. And now they're trying to, um, they're trying to kind of go over, over everything with their, their rep, their police rep, and then the D- assistant DA is there, who's also sleeping with Jeremy, Jeremy Renner. And they're, Jeremy Renner says, all right, we're going to say, that guy's got, look into that guy. Does he have a, a rap sheet? And he did. He said, okay, we'll just act like he was selling drugs to the tweaker and you guys busted it up. As opposed to, I don't, which I don't understand. They, they were in the right. It's not like they did anything wrong. But I guess it just no. I, I'm, I'm telling you, you, you need to rewatch it. You missed a bunch. So, okay. the 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 pizza guy is the owner. The owner's the one who pulled the gun. So, and they they mentioned that because that's why the other guy who survives that's in the in the kitchen says, uh, "I guess I'm out of a job." Yeah, um, he wouldn't be out of a job if there was just a different owner. They'd hire someone else. But uh, but yeah, the owner the owner they show him, uh, they show him staring at the brother nervously, uh, a bunch, and the brother's there a long time. Because right, he calls because he calls his uh, his brother, and uh, his brother gets on the phone with his partners outside. It's like, yeah, something's going down. You need to get in there, go through the back, and he starts doing that. But the but the the owner's staring at him hard. He's shaking and he's scared and he's but but he's not seeing. They show the angle. He's not staring at the tweaker, uh, but the brother, uh, the cop, is staring at the tweaker, and he's looking up through the mirror. Uh, to watch the tweaker the whole time, which ma- is making it look like he's looking at the pizza owner, um, and and they show and then they show uh, that as the partner comes in through the back, he has a gun pulled. He starts making a sudden movement towards the tweaker, and then the pizza owner pulls his gun and shoots at the partner uh, several times at his head, and that's what makes the partner duck and turn, start shooting, and then the 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 brother pulls uh, cop pulls and turns and shoots him also, and they shoot him like five times really fast. Um, and, and like you said, I, they have to justify it because they shot an innocent man yeah. who was scared instead of identifying themselves to him, which is what they were supposed to do, yeah. uh, as cops. And so I think he's just like, you know, anyway, rewatch it and maybe I'm wrong, okay. but rewatch it. I think you'll see the same thing. I think, I think you'll see that he, it was just a, it was, a, it was a mix up and, uh, he thought that, that the cop was dirty, the cop was worried about the tweaker and it was like a misunderstanding which led to an innocent dude dying the pizza owner uh who was the one you're supposed to he was supposedly trying to help right the brother was there to stop the pizza owner from getting robbed so it's like it's tragic in its own way but then now they're forced to make it look like the pizza owner was a bad guy he did have three priors but who cares that that doesn't make him he didn't deserve to die i don't Um, know well the pizza owner had an apron on too so he was working in the back he was at the front though. He was working the register and 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 talking to him. And then there was okay. there was a the other dude in the back was down on the floor. The guy that got yeah, shot. The guy that got shot had a had a uh, an like a he had an apron on too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, um, but, yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I'll go back and watch it. But I yeah. I don't know if that's what happened. It, yeah. There's only like two minutes. So give give a look see. But the whole show was just to me. One of the best things I've seen in a long time. Yeah. I mean, it's just uh, the best thing I've seen. But it was really good and there. really different and, and really fun. And I like how uh, they're really showing the inner politics of, of everything that's going on. Uh, whether it's the, 
prisons, uh, the, the gangs in the prisons, the gangs outside the prisons, um, the wardens, I mean, all of that. It's, it's, it's really interesting the way they're doing it. And, uh, and then showing that Jeremy Renner kind of lives a little bit away from it all out in the country. Um, so he can, he has a little bit more perspective than everybody else does. Yeah. Like Bunny, who's like, I can't leave more than six, you know, six blocks away or I'll be killed. That's yeah. how this, that's how my life is. He's basically in a prison cell. Yeah. Like, even though he's the leader of all of it, he can't leave a six block radius ever, ever. And he's like, I've never seen the stars. Like, I yeah. wish they turned these street lights off once so I could see what the stars look like. God, Jesus. Like, you're the leader of the biggest gang in the, one of the biggest gangs in the world. You, you, you can't see stars. So, uh, and, and and because of that, he has to have uh, have him uh, take his nephew, uh, who's the only person he's related to or friends with that uh, that's not in the, in the quote unquote the game and and been killed or you know or incarcerated. So uh, he takes he has a uh, I, I just blinked on his name Mike Mike uh, McCluskey. Yeah, Mike McCluskey. Yeah, yeah, and he has him take him to the uh, hockey game for him, where of course he. He has a bunch of rednecks start beating up on him for being uh, for being black, and McCluskey can't have Bundy's nephew get his butt kicked while he's in charge of him, right? So he jumps on the ice, swinging the swinging the stick, which was a great fight scene <laughs> uh, with him uh, yeah. down there, and then and takes him home and uh, talks to him, and he's like, I, I love the line where he's like, "Oh, you're going back." <laughs> he's like, "We're going back next Friday." He's like, "And I'm going to bring some." some pipe hitting bastards, <laughs> a group of them that are going to make everybody, you know, uh, ruin the day they were born. And he's like, you're going to be fine. And he's like, and when I say something, that thing gets done. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, Oh, okay. You're starting to see the, the side of him that might've been able to be a shot caller in prison. Cause they've said he was. Oh yeah. But he's I, like, I want, I want a prequel episode so bad where it shows him being a shot caller. Yeah. Cause so far you're like, He's kind of a little dude, and the only reason he can be so badass is weapons, right? His guns and the, the grenade. He's not going to go in there and just start whooping up on Bunny and the... I don't know. <laughs> the, well, you know I mean, you saw in the, the hockey fight. Like, he can handle himself. He yeah, can whoop he up. His own. But, and, yeah, yeah. and when he used the weapons, he was taking on an entire <laughs> entire group of Crips. He, he so, was. His, yeah. he, but he knew his arms. But yeah. I'm just saying, like, like he's still... He's, like, five foot nine. <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's some huge dudes out in the yard, like... Uh, I want to see what it is. Like, I'm happy to see the side of him, the fire in him, that lets you believe he could have been a shot caller. Because prior to this episode, yeah. I was like, okay, but probably only because he had his brother outside or or something, right? Like, not because he was the biggest, baddest dude in the prison. Because there's no way he's five nine and you know not that muscular. So yeah, I, uh, but I thought this episode was great. It showed he has the fire, he has the leadership, he has the the seriousness of oh, I'm going to bring a group of dudes yeah. and we're going to. You know what I mean? Like he's like he's a gang leader. Like, oh, okay, okay, this is him. So, uh, I, I also want to see in that prequel episode who was his crew. Uh, you know what I mean? Like who who it, was? I mean, just, yeah, yeah. I'm interested. You know I mean? to... The whites or or you know I'm doing air quotes. Yeah, because uh, I there could be a group of other whites right now. We've seen that dude Andrew Howard, who's awesome. Yeah, uh, playing the the leader. But is he? I, I'm trying to remember. Was he supposed to be like? I don't know if it was. Well, the thing is, I don't, I don't think it was. Uh, I don't think it was a a racer or a gang. I think because they had Mitch on the outside, he could. He was just the guy that could get things done, and all the guards were on his side. Because remember, his dad okay. was the yeah. guy that, yeah, that ran this business before Kyle Chandler and uh, that's right, and Jeremy Renner. That's right. So 
that, yeah, yeah. I think that's how he got his juice. That um, makes sense. That's I, right. I just want to move on to a few other characters before we wrap up. Yeah. Uh, Aiden yep. Gillen, we haven't seen it. I mean, we barely seen. We saw him in one episode, and we know he's Milo, who's a big time, looks like Eastern European right. gang leader. And so he's mm-hmm. he's listed for ten episodes, but we've seen him for like maybe one or two, one in like a scene. Um, there's Iris, this girl that they made very clear is a black widow. She is nothing but poison. But the the strip club guy can't seem to get out of his own way and is inviting her over. And basically, she's going to end up just killing him. Uh, but the well, the best part is is Milo's right hand man too is sitting there next to the strip club and he's like, yeah. Like, We've got plans for her. Like, don't mess with her. Don't try to see with her. Don't like. She's gonna work. She's gonna get up there. She's gonna dance. She's gonna work. She's gonna earn. Yeah. Like, don't don't get in the way. And then you can tell he's like he's got a thing for her, right? Mm-hmm. And he calls her over, and she goes, "Well, the reason I never get all this money from promising from promising things to all these people is because the, my trick is I never will deliver because yeah. I'm taken because I belong to Mike McCluskey." Yeah. And you're like, "Oh, that's gonna piss off the owner," and like now, yeah, that's gonna. That's gonna create some friction. That's awesome. Well, and not yeah, not just that, but like she's she's on a job. Like until told otherwise, mm-hmm. she belongs to Mike McCluskey because the guy said we use her to turn senators and things like that. So she until told otherwise, she is Mike McCluskey's until Milo says differently. Um, well, I, I mean, I I think she's. I don't think she really does belong to him. I think she's telling the guy. I belong to Mike McCluskey so that he gets angry and goes after Mike McCluskey. Could be. I think she's creating she's creating drama for McCluskey by doing this on purpose. I think this is part of her master plan. Mm-hmm. I think she's brilliant and she's yeah, I think she's they all think they're using her and she's actually using them. I do agree with you on that. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Um Toby Bomtefa does another amazing job as Bunny. He's like one of my favorite characters. Like I never, never his yep. scenes show up. I'm always into it. I can't. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what this guy ends up doing. Um, I agree. I don't. Yeah, Mayor Kingstown's. He, apparently, he was in one episode of Invasion, but I hope he's in more stuff. He's good. Uh, and then we kind of got uh, half a second of. Uh, Robert, the cowboy SWAT guy that they use, that clearly there's yeah. something there's clearly something building towards him because like he's like he he is direct when he it's time to break down doors, but he I feel like he kind of lives for that. Uh, played by Hamish he Allen does. Headley, and I don't know where they're going with this character, but I I am very intrigued to see what happens with that. Uh, I yeah, think... the the one line mm-hmm. he has, which just shows what a what a thesis is, and alludes to he's got some kind of like tactical. Uh, military training from overseas, which you can tell. I mean, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not using a crystal ball here, but uh, they say like they say something like, "We can have the FBI. They're going to go after that guy Carlos," and they're like, "We got all these pit bulls in the front." He's like, "We can take out his back wall. That'll give you the element of surprise back." And they go, "Yeah, it's between us and FBI." He goes, "Hold on, does FBI have jurisdiction? Do they answer to me or do I answer to them?" He goes, "It's your call." He goes, "They answer to me." Yeah, <laughs> and he's like, he's like, I, I'm. It's kind of like the Ross Swanson thing I think about. I, I know more than you. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, I, I got, I, yeah, let me handle this. And he's, you know, I'm going to do air quotes, just a cop. Yeah. So, yeah, this dude's going to be, a, he's going to be, I, I, I think he's going to become Mike McCluskey's number two at some point. Hmm. I would like that. I would like that a lot. Uh, let's move on because the Golden Nerds, we've got plenty of shows. Uh, Hit Monkey. So I wrapped it up. I wrapped it up this weekend, which was not hard to do. It was 
fantastic. It was amazing. It was so much better than I thought it was going to be. When I first turned it on, I was like, oh, it's going to try and be like a weird archer just because of Jason Sudeikis' character. But I mean, quickly after the first episode, like, okay, no, they're going in a different direction with it. Uh, but it was, I mean, it had, I mean, it has the blood, the guts, and the quips, but it had a lot of heart. Like there was, there was some episodes where, like you, act, I mean, you felt for the characters, and they left it open to where there could be a season two, um, and uh, man, I really hope there is. Yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and and you you felt for the monkey. Yeah, <laughs> that's what was so funny. I mean, you feel for the monkey. You can believe he's savage because he is a monkey and he's vengeful. But uh, he's got this guy. He can hear and understand this this ghost assassin tell him what to do, and it was a blast. It was a blast, and then to like introduce you know the fact that no we are in the marvel universe right like they go out of their way to, let, to remind you that they are some of the hitmans like the female bullseye version of bullseye was yeah. awesome she oh, was yeah. awesome she was and then yeah and, and then they show uh a lady bullseye is what they call her and then they have uh, uh the silver samurai yeah <laughs> who was notorious uh, for all the wolverine uh, storylines uh he's just a jerk <laughs> he's just a jerk uh so great and then this like ghost uh ghost assassin too that like like you said i think you're the one who mentioned she starts like attacking uh bryce and he's like oh this is awful but it feels so great to be touched yeah. <laughs> that's one of my favorite lines <laughs> it's so good there's so many good lines in the show so yeah i i really hope there's a season two because this that would be very enjoyable for me. It, yeah, this was fantastic. Um, I loved how uh, there's one there's one episode called The Code where they're in the the underground prison. I think it's, yeah. And he's like, I've got a code. Oh, you can't have a code. A code will get you killed. But doing the code, he keeps making these allies. So he makes allies in that show with the rat who eventually helps him out. But also with uh, the big bad bruiser down there that has electricity coming out of his feet. And that guy ends up coming back at the end to help him. Also with the ghost in the next episode, Run Monkey Run, the, uh, he ends up helping her, Akiko. I can't remember what her name was. And then she comes back and ends up helping him at the end to, to, to defeat the, the Bonsai Master. Um, I also really loved the episode Home Sweet Home, where it goes back to kind of showing how Bryce seen his, you know, his beginnings. Basically, he was kind of trailer trash. His mom dated a bunch of guys. Oh, finally, yeah. Finally had like a good stepdad who taught him some stuff. Um, gets his girlfriend pregnant, and then his dad starts beating on his mom. And I, what was it? He accidentally like shoots him or cuts him, and it's bad. And they're like, "You're gonna have to run for this. You'll never be able to come home." So he briefly mentioned before that he had a daughter, and so he has a wife and daughter, and he leaves them a large stack of money and says, "It's gonna be worse for you if I'm here," and leaves. And uh, that was such a that was a really good episode. Yeah, yeah, that's. That's fan- that was a fantastic episode, and this guy that directed all the episodes, I mean, he's he's done a lot. Um, so I'm interested to see what what else he does going forward uh, after this. I know he's he's been involved in uh, Archer was a big part of what he did. He, he was the uh, producer for 102 episodes of that, so you could tell you could tell that you know what I mean. And I think there's a spinoff called Calamity and Jane. But uh, anyway. <laughs> interested to see what this guy does next because he did a really good job of that yeah uh his name is neil neil holman neil holman yeah he did a fantastic job um so we've come to the end of a season and as per usual we've got to we got to give it a rating 
because uh, mm-hmm. what, what's the what's the fun of doing stuff if we can't argue about it? So for Hit Monkey, yeah. Hit Monkey, what would you give the first season? Just season one, what would you give it? Oh man, so this is this is the fun kind because again, you and I was talking about we rate things based on expectations, not yeah. upon like is it you know Citizen Kane because yeah. that's stupid, stupid. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna base it based on our expectations. Well. I had zero expectations because I had no idea what this was going to be. Uh-huh. Um, and it was, it was amazing. It somehow exceeded my lack of expectations. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I'd say it was an 8.7. Like I put it really, uh, and, and I struggled with not putting it even three higher. Like, I, I, I gave it a 10. I, there was nothing about it. Wow. I didn't like, I, I mean, wh- there was nothing. It was funny. It had heart. It, the, the animation was great. And I, and I don't like, anime but this felt like kind of a step in a different direction it wasn't anime but yeah. there was i there was not one part of it i mean i can't I, like you go back and like all right but this part all right but th- there was none of those it was great like, it had me like yep. once i started watching it the first episode i knew i was in and then i sat down mm-hmm. and knocked out like six consecutively because i didn't want to put it and then when i put it down you have that kind of that show hole like in your heart where you're like oh mm-hmm. like i'm glad i finished it but at the same time oh like what do i do now yeah so it's over yeah, yeah. i i feel like sometimes i'm a, you, you were afraid to get too high on stuff this one earned it i there was nothing wrong with it that i i i don't disagree like i'm i'm totally fine with that and in fact i was toying with giving it a 9.1 but uh uh yeah i've uh you may have talked me into it because yeah i i'm, I'm it was a while ago that i finished it but uh yeah, yeah it was it was amazing. It, and it was, like you said, anime. I think it was clearly Archer animation. It was, uh, like ah, I could tell. but it, was, it wasn't as stiff as Archer. It had a lot, because you couldn't do this with the Archer animation because it's too stiff. It's like C-Lab, which this guy also worked on C-Lab. Like, that kind of animation it doesn't have great action because it's too stiff. Like it's, like, it's almost kind of like cardboard. This had really, really good action. It, it, it was kind of like a mix between Archer and anime. And it just, it looked really, really aesthetically pleasing. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I really loved the voice performances. Yeah. Uh, at first, I have to admit, I was taken out for like the first two minutes by Sudeikis' voice. Yeah. Because, I mean, I was just fresh off Ted Lasso. You know, he's just fair, fair so enough. recognizable yeah. of a voice that it was like, uh, I don't know if I'm going to like this. And it took like, you know, maybe five minutes into the show for me to settle in and be like, no, 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 this Okay, like this is this is lending to the character, not taking away from, because um, you know sometimes I'm like you, you can get in, you know, you can get an H. John Benjamin. They, they don't have to be famous people to be funny on voices, like if they're written well. So, yeah. but he, it was clearly, it was clearly his delivery of the lines that was so great, and and just so unmistakably Jason Statham, and then Olivia Munn also. I mean, she did it. She did a good job. Um, but yeah, across the board, across the board, I was really impressed with it. And uh, and just the the lines like like just call, the fact that he called the woman fish lady yeah. I mean, <laughs> like I don't know just just little things in it just really really brought joy to me and uh, yeah I hope I hope there's more there there's there's the potential for more uh, from what I'm reading like Good. I know other things were canceled but there is the potential for more Good uh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. All right, let's start doing. Uh, let's do a little movie. So uh, on HBO Max, we got King Richard that come out, and uh, I I'll be honest, we had kind of talked about 
Will Smith doesn't get me to the theater anymore. If anything, he kind of pushes me away. Like, ah, oh, God, it's another... Like, I'm, if you go back and look at some of the stuff he's done, um, like the last couple... Let's see, in his acting, um, there was... What, Bad Boys for Life was not good. Um, Gemini Man, I couldn't make it through it. I never saw Aladdin. I heard that was pretty good. I enjoyed Bright. A lot of people did not. Collateral Beauty looked dumb. Suicide Squad was dumb. Concussion looked preachy. Focus didn't. Uh, I heard it was okay. I, I thought he was fine in, in Suicide Squad. I agree with you on the story. But, like, to me, like, there's a lot that he was not great. You know, there, there's, I don't even want to say he's, he's not. I think he's, like he's bad at it. Things. Yeah, I agree because I think he's a, I mean, he's a good actor. I've seen him uh, plenty of stuff where he's fantastic. He was amazing in Ali. But I don't. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the stuff he picks is like, I'm like, why? Like, it just, like, Bad why? Boys for Life was dumb. Yeah, yeah I, I, I tried watching Jim that and I, for a second. Jim, Jim and I, man, I didn't hate Stop as much it. as other people. Stop it. Do what? Stop it. The, for the, I, opening I scene, the opening scene, I was like, oh my God. It was so, just the opening scene was the worst. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah, I didn't hate it as much as other people. Uh, Bright, I liked, but it was before that, the, the string of. Collateral beauty, I didn't like concussion. Ugh, it just set like seemed like he was reaching for an Oscar. Yeah. Uh, Focus, I did not like. Winter's Tale, I did not like. Like After Earth, I did not like. Uh, Been in Black Three, I, you know what? Actually, that was pretty good. <laughs> but all the rest before that were, were just not good. And and it's not just that; it's the things he turned down for the things that he greenlit that was odd to me. Like, uh, I mean, like he was reportedly even looking into a Wild Wild West 2 at one point and a Hancock 2. Oh, Hancock 2 is um, still a possibility. Yeah, no, it's not. Uh, (laughs) I mean, mean, it's it's announced. He's a producer. Right, but that's been announced for 12 years now. They they announced it like six months after Hancock 1. Oh, fair enough. And it's been on his IMDb ever since then. So you're right. It's not that it's impossible, but... Uh, but anyway, it doesn't matter. He's just some of the things he said no to in order to say yes to other things is just really odd. Yeah. And um, you know, I hope I hope this helps his career some more. I mean, I I thought he was fantastic at this. So I when I heard he's never not good in stuff. Yeah, he's never not good in stuff. It's just does the is the movie worth it? Well, and and the main thing I kept hearing for the pushback on the movie was, why are you making it about him? Like it's you got the best players in the history of the world and yeah. you're making the movie about their father not about them yeah well uh, i have i did not rub against that at all because i thought in, in any other situation where you have a michael jordan right or you have somebody who's the best at what they've done right they busted their ass they worked their butt off their whole life they had to have drive and passion and grit and determination to get there um and become who they were right and maybe their parents helped them along the way and in that and and Serena and Venus definitely had that, right? They they show him up at four in the morning playing in the rain and all this kind of stuff. But the difference here is their dad predetermined what they were going to do when they were born. And this is documented. Like, he he pushed and fought to – he had the grit and determination to bring them along, keep it fun, keep them interested, and and push that – and push them through their whole lives. Not that it didn't take – all kinds of grit and determination, everything from their part, but like he is unlike any other parent of any other major athlete. Like this was, this was a really interesting story, and to see him like getting you know threats in the ghetto 
going to uh, to the only tennis court they had, you know, uh, for people like, you know, Wilson stuff with his daughters and having to like figure out how to navigate all that and working multiple jobs because he was not giving up on his dream to have them be who he decided they would be before they were born. It's interesting. It's really interesting because this could have easily been a tale of abuse. Yeah. Right. I mean, this was, I mean, can you imagine? What if you're like, I don't like tennis. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, no, you're going to be this. You're, I'm going to, I'm dragging you into the rain to play in the at five in the morning and you're playing at night. You want to go out with your friends? Tough. You're going to play tennis with me every single day. Like that's, this could have been dark. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it even showed you like, when it even showed you at the beginning of the tournament, all the other um, sports parents that, you know, are just way too hard on their kids, how it could have been. But I mean, he was still mm-hmm. tough on them. He was still really, really hard on them. Well, he was, he was determined and he was determined for them. And you're right. he, he pushed them really hard, but I did like that he's like, I'm doing this still with love. Like, and, and, and they were producers on it, by the way, Venus and Serena. So I do believe that they're not overly sugarcoating it for him. I mean, I, I do think there's probably a little bit of jackassery <laughs> that they li- willingly left out of this movie. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I, you know, like, like with all those companies that failed and all this, you know, the media spotlight attention that he was demanding. Um, I definitely think that was a big thing once they got where they needed to get. But the whole first, you know, two acts of the movie, I mean, that seemed pretty legit. I mean, as far as, you know, I believe that's what really happened. Okay. Yeah. How'd you feel about Berntal? Ah, he was so great in it. He's always great in stuff. He's always he fantastic. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, he was funny, too. He was funny, but then I liked at the end where it showed videos of, like, the actual people, like the actual Richard and Venus and Trina and Rick Massey. Uh, And he was, I mean, he had the voice right. He had the mannerisms. Because I never knew the guy other than this movie. But, I mean, he's always great. I always like Tony Goldwyn, too. I always, like... He's he's, underrated. Well, he does a lot of Broadway. I think he's just more comfortable there. But, yeah, he is underrated. He is fantastic. And then a little bit of Kevin Dunn is always nice. Yeah, absolutely. What well, remember uh, he was in Lovecraft Country for a little bit. Uh, Tony Goldblum. Oh, uh, okay. the first couple episodes as the the Aryan leader. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, you're right. And yeah, and then you you and I wouldn't have seen this, but he was in 124 episodes of Scandals. So he was the main. Oh yeah, I knew he was in that. Yeah, love interest slash president of of her. So yeah. that's where he's been the last you know. However many years. Well, he does a lot things. of Broadway too. Like, I, like he does a lot of like big time Broadway, big time. Like he does a lot. Like I think he's doing one with Brian Cranston right now, who also likes to do gotcha. Broadway. So yeah, he's yeah he's doing his own thing, but he is a really good actor. Yeah. I also thought, uh, first of all, Anjane Ellis was so good in it. The last time we saw her, she was Hippolyta in uh, Lovecraft Country. Yeah. And, man, I tell you what, I put her, for our awards that we put down, I put her in for Best Supporting Actress because she sold it, along with the girls. The girls were both great. Uh, Sania Sidney plays Venus Williams. Demi Singleton plays Serena Williams. And those girls really brought it. They were really good in it, too. They they made the movie to me because this could have gone very wrong. But were they not? I mean, they were adorable. Yeah. <laughs> like they were just I mean they, they were they were great. You're like yeah. rooting for them right off the right off the bat. They were just they were just you know always seemed happy and willing to keep going. Like there was very little fighting unless it was true and and then the the scene with Venus like standing up herself like 
no, they haven't even seen what I've done yet. Like, why would I accept this endorsement when they don't yeah. even know what I can do? Like, I'm a novelty right now. Let me show you what I can do, and then you can tell me if you want to. Like, that was a great scene. And, yeah. uh, and of course, you know, the rest is history. Like, she, she goes to lose, but in losing becomes an even bigger star, you know, holding her own with the, with the number one in the world. So, uh, great well, show. And I love how they didn't show Serena. I actually liked that part. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, yeah, because well, he even tells her, he's like, look, Venus is going to be number one in the world. There's no doubt about it. But you're going to be <laughs> the greatest of all time, which she is. She's she's the best tennis player of all time. Yeah, to ever play. Yeah, it's it was it was great. And, and he says it like he's like, don't think I forgot you. I wrote this down like this isn't an accident. You're yeah. here. You were brought along for a reason. And, and I love that. And the determination that she signed up for the. Uh, the juniors without his note his yeah. that was great yeah. that was great uh that, that scene where your daughter's great yeah i know she's killing it no the other one yeah. <laughs> what like that was yeah i i very much enjoyed this movie i it was a little bit of a feel-goody movie but i don't care yeah, I, I, don't, I enjoyed it I and, yeah it, it was a biopic yeah, it was great. like a lot of biopics um yeah 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 exactly the question is what did you give it i gave it an uh 8.5 because i enjoyed it it was eight point five. Is good. It was solid. It was better than I thought I was going to be, um, and I enjoyed it thoroughly. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I give it. I, I man, I think I'd go exactly in line within eight point five. Yeah. This is one of the rarities where we totally. Agree. I know. Uh, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. I already thought it would be good, which is makes it hard on expectations, right? Because I I saw it and I just. You know, you see a certain trailer and you're like, okay, the tone of this, the feel of this, this is gonna be fun and sweet, and I'm in, and I'm and I'm interested, and you obviously know who they grow, you know, grow to be, and it was fantastic. I just thought top to bottom, it was fantastic. It wasn't a part I had a problem with. Yeah, uh, yeah, I I thought it was fantastic, really well made. Fair enough. Um, so IMDb gave it a seven point six, would be about online with us. That would be like an eight point six for normal. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, people loved it. It got a 91% from critics and a 98% from audiences. Good. Good. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I was shocked by that. But, yeah, hey, good for them. Uh, let us move on to uh, back to show. So I'm one behind. I just saw the birthday episode for Succession. And, oh, my God, the birthday episode... Yeah. It's like this show is always cringy. Like it's always got very cringy moments. Uh, every time you think one of the characters is about to make that leap to become a good person, they don't. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this one was tough though, because even though you knew it kind of wasn't going to happen, uh, there was a huge shift in a lot of beliefs in this episode. So where we kind of left off is Shiv uh, is kind of left making the decision after. Uh, Logan has bad reaction to medicine and kind of loses it. And she's got to make a de- decision, make a deal to save the company. She does. She does. the they, She was in a terrible spot, and she did the best she could. And I thought she did a good job. And then after Logan becomes conscious again, he says, well, I, that was a terrible deal. Well, what would you have done? Well, I wouldn't have done that. Well, that's not he, – he can't give them praise. That if anytime they do something too good, he has to knock them back down. And I think she kind of sees it from that. And then afterwards, for Kendall's party, who he's the estranged son, they don't even know if they're going, her and Roman go to talk to a tech genius about uh, possibly purchasing them or 
you know, working with them to so they can fix their app, basically their HBO Max, their version of that. And because theirs is the the was Roy Star one is terrible. Uh, yeah, Logan Roy sends Roman Kieran Culkin on a kind of secret mission, even though they're supposed to be going together. And Roman gives Kendall this birthday card that you know Kendall's he's a fragile dude and. It kind of sends him spiraling and having this terrible, you know, terrible time after his dad's like, "Why don't you just sell me your shares and you know, and then get out of here and leave me alone?" It's like I'm gonna buy you out of the company entirely, so that yeah, we never have to see you again. You're written out of our life. But um, the part that I liked about it though was that was big was that Shiv knew nothing about it. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Shit, and yeah. from that, because Roman had his own his own agenda that his dad sent with them, because he takes he takes turns. Uh, empowering each sibling so they don't ever get too high. And Shiv kind of realizes after Roman gets the deal done and kind of does it in a way where he squeezes out his dad. So he puts himself in position to kind of take over. Uh, and afterwards gets drunk or high or whatever and messes with Kendall too much. And Shiv kind of mm-hmm. sees now how her dad is playing all of it. I mean, Grant, and I can't believe it took 30, 30, 35 years or whatever to finally recognize it, but I think she's finally seeing it. And uh, I think she's going to join Kindle, uh, which is going to be interesting, and pit them against each other, which is going to make it puts Tom in a position to where he's not going to want to leave because he was supposed to go to jail. And now it looks like no one's going to jail. Logan even tells him, I won't forget what you did. So now he's got a, he's in the best position he's ever been with this family. Um, and then on the other side, Greg, who he kind of takes all his frustrations out. As soon as he finds out he's not going to jail, goes to Greg's office, flips his desk, throws stuff, and celebrates he's not going to jail. And uh, and then, of course, Greg is just a joke. And Greg is kind of... <laughs> and then Greg is kind of having his come up. So he knows he's not going to jail. He's feeling good. And he's been kind of flirting with Kendall's assistant this whole time. And mm-hmm. the, Kendall has two assistants. Both are kind of fed up with his just acting like a kid and just being ridiculous. And so she kind of agrees to go out on a date with Greg at a, at a spike, but Hey, Greg's just thrilled that she's mm-hmm. going out with them. So, um, and then Tom, the most telling thing is Tom goes, you seem happy. Greg's like, yeah, I am happy. He's like, you're not supposed to be happier than me. I'm supposed to be happier than you. That's how it works. And yeah. Yeah. And it, it messes with Tom. And then after on the ride home, Shiv is kind of devastated about the whole thing with her family. Tom's like, well, let's go out. She's like, I just want to go home. All right, well, I might be home late tonight then. And he's kind of doing his own thing. And he's kind of, he's slowly kind of separating himself from Shiv as well. And slowly kind of becoming from his gelatinous form into somewhat of a man. And so there's just so much going on. I can't wait to watch the next episode. But this one, this the birthday episode, the one that kind of, oh, man. It, you thought, you you they finally see what we've all been seeing. Yeah, and... Uh, I mean, there's a lot of the relationships that are really interesting too. Is like is is uh, Alexander Skarsgård's uh, character uh, toying with uh, Roman, Roman mm-hmm. or is he really with Roman? Because it's hard to tell. Yeah. And then and, and then like you said with the uh, Waz Wazgans, what's it? Tom. Tom. <laughs> Tom, <laughs> Tom, and, to Tom and Greg. So Tom is constantly belittled and crushed and and made a, a toy of the Roy's right. And he, and he's married to Siobhan who's told him she doesn't even love him. <laughs> uh, like four or five. As for an open ago. relationship on their wedding. Yeah. Like, like, and, and so he knows that it's not real. Um, and, and so 
his the, the way he goes about life is having Greg to squash the way he's squashed by everybody else. So he enjoys tormenting and squashing Greg because that's his way of getting the payback on everything that's going wrong with his life. And and at the same time, you see this really cringy thing where he's almost kind of in love with Greg now because he sees himself in Greg yeah. and like can have the pity and the love for him that he wishes somebody else had for him. And it's like bordering, in typical Roy fashion, it's bordering molestation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you see Greg like, no, no. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, like it's, it's creepy. I'm like, oh, God, is it? Is it? Oh, it's God. so cringe, yeah. <laughs> is that going to happen? But it doesn't. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that relationship is really weird. And like you said, it ends with, you're not supposed to be happy, I am. Like, I crush you. Like, he's now seeing someone that he saw himself in being crushed have a great life and he's like that should have been me why why can't i have that like a doubt yeah that was a great scene i really liked that and and yeah i, I liked um kendall's uh especially the actors just uh his the feeling he has when he realizes like what his dad you know couldn't care less about him what even though he was in the middle of fighting like hell to find the presence from his kids because that's what mattered to him well, at not, the moment. Well, not just that his dad doesn't. He realizes he has nobody. His siblings are gone. He had. He really doesn't have any friends. The people that are with them, you've never seen them before. Uh, they're not, he has yeah. no friends. And then his wife has got the new boyfriend and she's, you know, she's, not, like, she's lost interest in him. She's got her own life and he kind of sees that. And so there's no, he has no one. He realizes now he has no one. There's his girl, his current girlfriend, and he's kind of got a moment of levity where she's like, well, "What about you open my gift?" And he opens up and it's a watch. He's like, "All right, have, like it was a thoughtless gift. It was just something you get that's expensive. Like it wasn't really there was no thought behind it." And he realizes she's just kind of an empty vessel as well. And so he has nothing. And I think that's kind of he's already kind of fragile. I think that's what tipped him over the edge. And then. After Roman laying into him, I think that was the final, the final bullet yeah. that he kind of takes down on Connor on the way out. Oh, and Shiv is pregnant. What? Shiv is pregnant. What are you talking about? Shiv, did you not catch that? She wasn't drinking any alcohol at the uh, at the party, and even uh, uh, Roman says, "I noticed at uh, the the celebration, you spit your champagne back out." Uh, she's pregnant. Oh shit! I didn't even catch that. Yeah, at least that's why I, I. That's the impression I got. Because before oh, Tom was very, Tom was like, he was very much trying to have a kid with her, and he even says, "You're ovulating mm-hmm. right now." She goes, "Do you are you even tra- even tracking my ovulation?" And he had yeah, been. He was yeah. trying to get her pregnant, and uh, in the most unromantic Tom Wong Gans way possible, uh, he does. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I think she's she's pregnant. Well, he's trying to, you know, get himself further with the Roys by being the father of a kid, <laughs> more than anything. Oh, I think. that's a good point. And also, and also to have a tie to her when he's in prison. Yeah. Right. Like if um, that, at the time that's what he's doing. Right. It's like you're, you're gonna, you're gonna be busy for the next nine months. Right. Yeah. Taking care of, you know, the pregnancy and oh, then taking care of that. a baby for the year after that. So you'll be thinking of me the whole time I'm gone. Like it's it, the baby isn't for Tom. It's for Tom to feel like he's more secure. That Siobhan would just, you know, move on from him really fast. So, yeah, it's it's still a horrible reason. I mean, they're all terrible people, and I, it's interesting. I go back and forth on Kendall's girlfriend slash fiance slash whatever because 
she did like it was that crazy cringy scene with that just like crappy gift you know where she has the watch for him or whatever and he's like oh well, that's not personal you know what i mean yeah and uh but then like she does kind of like hang with them you know what i mean and they go take care of him and he's just like crying in a blanket looking out at the party she's like forget the party let's just hang out up here with you you know so she's she's kind of loving but then like it's hard to get gauge how into the relationship she is if she just wants him to get his billions and move on well, and be married to a billionaire and that's what i caught from like because she asked him like well if you sold how much would you get he's like two billion he's yeah. and he doesn't even care about that like they the money they've always yeah. had money he doesn't care he just wants I think he was more invested in this just because he was actually getting attention from his dad. And that's one of the main reasons. Like, at first, I don't. I think it was salvation to not go to jail. But then I think it was to get attention from his dad. And he kind of liked being in this. I mean, you saw he was going to do this cross and this, oh, my God, the most cringy Kindle stuff possible. And he's mm-hmm. he keeps having this inflated. He wants to have a purpose. He wants his dad to notice him. And uh, he's just a scared little boy. They but all yeah. do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, they all do in the worst Even way. Even Jerry like, and all the side people, they just, they just want, uh, they just want him to rub their head and tell them they did good. <laughs> and they, they just keep showing that Roman is just molested or like just horrible to Jerry. Yeah, <laughs> trying to sleep with her. And and uh, the the other guy, um, played by Fisher Stevens. Was he in the most recent episode you saw? Um, uh, no, he wasn't in the birthday party episode. Okay, okay. Yeah, so there's just... Uh, yeah, everybody is just, like you said, it's almost like whack-a-mole. Yeah. It's like, it's like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give all of you power, but the second one of you rises, I'm going to slam you back down yeah. until someone else starts rising and then slam them down. Like, I'm never going to let anyone rise above, you know, a certain level, and then I'm going to put you back in your place because I'm the man. Like, he... He likes being Logan Roy. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how it all happens. I, I, have to fi- I have to think at some point at the end, like, Logan Roy finally dies and, like, does something terrible to make sure nobody's left with anything. <laughs> like, that. That's just how it's got to end, right? Yeah. He's like, he gives it all to Greenpeace <laughs> or something to make a name for himself posthumously. I can see that. Uh, oh. Yeah, right? Uh, okay. Let's move on, just because, man, we could spend time on Succession for a while. Uh, so, yeah. Silent Night. You and I were both kind of excited about this one. Um, I've been watching a lot of Christmas movies. I've been in a Christmassy spirit. I watched the trailer, and it made it look like a quirky, dark comedy. And uh, then I watched it. It even kind of starts off feeling like a quirky, dark comedy. But then it just gets, like, the after the first act, it gets real down real quick. And it's just... Uh, I don't know, man. It took me three tries to watch this. I fell asleep halfway through. I fell asleep three quarters of the way through. And then I don't even actually think I finished it. I think you just kind of told me like the last 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. It was, so I I recently <laughs> heard this uh, podcast with uh, called Time and Beyond where Kevin Smith finally comes back. He's like, you know how I told you Shang-Chi wasn't very good? He's like, I rewatched it the other day and I figured out that I fell asleep through the <laughs> through 45 minutes of it right in the middle. <laughs> and it was great. <laughs> and if this movie was definitely not great, but it cracks me up that you're like, yeah, I fell asleep here, here, and here. But I didn't like it. But, uh, but I actually get it. I, I get it. It was not what I thought it would be either. Uh, I would call it a little more of a black comedy than you would. I, I get why you don't. Um, but I did see some some interesting twists to it all. I really like the end scene with the family in the room as they're as the fa- fathers having to run back and forth getting the cokes and then and then leveling the twins 
you know, coke just right until they finally just see their elder brother is, is actually is a goner twist and uh, and chug their chug down their pills. But yeah, it was a really confusing thing to understand. Like, is this a movie about anti-vax? Is this a movie about save the environment? Is this a movie about uh, freedom of choice? Like, it what was, what is this movie about? It was I clearly trying know. to be preachy to me about something, and I, I I couldn't really grasp onto what exactly it was trying to be preachy to me about. Yeah, I mean, to me, it felt like, like you know, when you have big family get-togethers and you have, like, a Thanksgiving and there's the whole trope that there's just going to be nothing but politics and drama. Like, that's what it was. The big Christmas dinner that was politics and drama, but there, it was coming from both sides. But it was just, it was odd. <laughs> it was odd. I, I, I agree. It's just, it's so, it was like that other Kier Knightley one with... Um, uh, Steve Carell. Um, the guy from The Office. Yeah, Steve Carell. Uh, I think it's, like, fr- needing a friend for the end of the world or yeah. something like that. Uh, it was very similar. Like it was preachy. It was a weird, dark twist to the end, and and a uh, very weird ending of them just like hearing the explosion coming towards them or whatever. Uh, yeah, I agree. It just it wasn't what I thought. It wasn't what I hoped it would be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is. I I feel like a lot of the it, the trailer really threw people off, or at least threw me off, because it listed it as it made it look like a quirky dark comedy, and it kind of started off that way a little bit. And then it just very much wasn't for the rest of the movie. It was a very, like, uh, like emotional kind of heavy movie. And uh, I, yeah, I, I, if you want to keep talking about it, you can. I, there's no, good no, acting in it. There's a, there's a great cast. The there's good great. acting, but the movie was bad. I give it a five point eight. Fair enough. Yeah, I give it. I give it a. I give it about a six point eight. Uh, I Ooh, did last. That is way too high. No, I laughed pretty hysterically at about three different parts of the movie, uh, and uh, so I. And most dark comedies, honestly, the comedy portion is smaller than the dark portion. Uh, everybody can like list death to Smoochie is the best, but yeah, that that's a rarity. That was a Robin Williams movie. Uh, but most dark comedies are heavier on dark than they are on comedy. This one, there were three parts where I just like lost it laughing. So I, I'm all for it, but I just didn't think. It tied together well at the end. It wasn't a very clear understanding of why all of it happened the way it happened. But I did like the message at the very end, the way it happened with the... Which, by the way, you haven't seen the very end. But yeah. <laughs> I like the way the very end tied it all together with the uh, whole uh, the science of it all. Okay, yeah, I just... Yeah, all right, well, that's fine. So you gave it a... You gave it a... What was it, a 6.8? God, that's high. 6.8. I, IMDb gives it a 5.7. Which is a 6.7 for more normal, so you're closer on that. And then Rotten Tomatoes, 58% from critics, 55 from audience. And I would say that's probably about right. Um, let us move on uh, back to TV. Don't worry. It's it's all good from here. Wheel of Time. Wheel of Time. We, we've talked about how, joked about how it's taken forever. Like, this show was made, like, three years ago, and it's just now coming out. And for some reason, like... You very much you didn't you had no interest in this the show. You saw the first episode, and you were like, "Oh, it's just trying to be Game of Thrones. I don't like it. like you for some reason you hate it." I blew through it. I'm caught up on it. It's uh, I think we're five episodes in, and our um, ooh nope yeah the next one comes out in two days on the tenth. I I am in man. This is a cool show. The budget is. Listen, they spent it all. They spent a lot of it on CGI and not the like. I guess the 
the decor, the the stage production. But like, there's parts of the stage production that are really cool. There's some really cool sets that they go through, like that desolate town uh, where everyone left. It was really awesome. I don't. It does. I maybe it's. I don't know, like the cinematography where it's got kind of a a CW Berlanti or like a Sci-Fi Channel or USA kind of feel to it. But it doesn't matter. It's it, the show has been really good so far. I am. I'm hooked, and uh, I can't wait to finish it. There's only three episodes left. So I enjoyed some elements of Wheel of Time for sure. Um, I'm a little more tepid in my uh, excitement of it. Uh, to me, it's just been all right. Uh, the, the things that are going well are those, uh, basically all the, the, the terrible creatures, right? The Trollocs, the, what they call it a shade, I think, uh, was that one. Yeah. Uh, those things were awesome, and they're doing a good job of just... The fight scene at the beginning, at like the first episode, or maybe it was the beginning of the second episode, where they go through that town, uh, that did such a great job of highlighting like that small group of them was almost unstoppable for normal people. Like the even even the uh, Rosamund Pike character, like she had to go to you know her best uh, to take down that many Trollocs, and then now there's hundreds coming, right? So. Yeah. We've got yeah, we've got a much bigger problem than what they had read, you know had been in front of. So that part of it, the peril has been great. Um, the problem I have is the storylines of the kids. Uh, I'm just going to call them kids. If that's all right. Yeah. Uh, has been just really boring to me, like really boring. Like I've so so far, outside of the first two episodes. Nope, nope, even in the first episode. I have fallen asleep in four out of the five episodes so far. I don't know how, man. I'm pretty, uh, only I'm to get back role. on, yeah, watch it and, and, and enjoy it. I mean, it's, it's been, at the end, I end up enjoying it. It brings me back in, but they're just, there's always a lull in about the, uh, the middle to end of, the, of each episode where the lull is just too long, just a little bit too long. And it, I start to be like, oh, okay, when's something going to happen? And then when something does happen, it's great, and it's very interesting, and it's different. Like, I really liked that little ghost town that basically just had the shadows kind yeah. of caving in on everybody. Like, all that was really cool. It was just that they had just a, like a 15-minute lull in a 45-minute show. <laughs> where just nothing but is it's happening. Not, but no, and, it's not a lull. They're trying to explain to you. Because the thing is, all the different kids do have different things. going. They have a lot going on. They all have different things going on. And oh, it's them it. trying They're to deal with it. doing it in a really boring way. It's, uh, it's, I disagree. It is, I mean, one guy accidentally killed his wife and is di- trying to deal with that grief. There's one girl that was supposed to be like the next... Uh, that happened whisper. in the pilot. And the grief's been going on for four more episodes. He killed his wife. Without... Without any any movement towards it. Like, well, they've been like trying to him, run away. In, in the most recent somebody... episode, in the most recent episode, you see a lot more. You you see him kind of deal with that. You see him and uh, his companion Egwin. Egwin, she uh, she deals with <laughs> mm-hmm. what she's going through, where she had to choose between her dream of becoming like I forget what they call him, whisperer or whatever, the main lady of the the tribe, yeah. or uh, end up marrying and having a family with Rand, her. Uh, you know mm-hmm. her love interest, and she chooses the other one right before, right after, right before it's taken away. And he's like, "You can't. You've already chosen. You can't take that away." Then there's Matt, who is uh, also Matt's kind of a weird name in this like in this world. But yes, it is. Matt is being uh, being taken over by this dark force, and he's having to deal with that. And it's basically just like slowly destroying him. 
Uh, I think there's. I, they all seem like they have a lot of stuff going on. Even the Rosamund Pike is. You kind of see like, or she's this badass uh, wizard, but she comes from this house where there's all these different wizards, and they don't all agree with her. And they might see her as a threat to take over the house now that the queen is the kind of queen is dead. She's like, I don't want it. Like they don't. They won't believe you. There's and then oh man, Daniel Henney. Uh, her her. Uh, I, I forget all the different names for the people, but like yeah, no. the one that yeah, accompanies right. her as Lan, he basically loses his friend, and like it's him. It, he, this most recent episode, you're kind of seeing him like the pain he's going through. It was and it was good. I, I don't, yeah, I don't know where you have an issue with this, and, but I did. I, just, find, I, I did find the reason about the characters. Well, I, uh, I don't know how, it's, man. It's it, it's felt very CW to me. It's well, felt the the show has felt very CW. Like if this were on CW. I would be like, this is the best show on CW, but it's definitely not on HBO. Like, I, I, I'm outside of the fact that, you know, the, the effects are better than what CW can afford. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That That's, like, but, like, especially, like, the names of the characters, <laughs> the storylines. But they the, can't, the, the names the, are from the, the book, man. The names are from the, the book. And the you're talking about this. Rand Althor has not been great. Perrin, I've liked. I think his name's Perrin. Yeah. Ibarra. I've uh, liked Matt Calton. I can't stand his his acting has just been awful to me. Well, I've, I've uh, been fine with him. I thought he... e- Egwin I've liked, and I've liked this Naniev, the one who's the dragon. Yeah, uh, she's been great. Yeah, she's she the, has been she's really the good. one that's kept me going through it. Okay, uh, Daniel Henney's character is good. Uh, Man Dragon, uh, Rosamund Pike <laughs> is always amazing. Yeah, uh, he's, yeah, Rosamund Pike's Damo Dread. <laughs> she's she's been great too, but. Uh, yeah, outside of that, I'm just like that Logan Ablar guy who was like the fake dragon. He was just like, uh, can we get some more rings on his fingers? Because this guy just feels like something they ripped off a cheesy paperback uh, Dungeons and Dragons show. But uh, I, I do I, like the yeah. guy that lost his uh, sorceress. Again, whatever you call him. Yeah. Uh, I, I like that guy. Peter like Franz is the actor, I think. Steppen was the character. Yeah. yeah. And I think. They stepped in some interesting territory of they can feel what the other is going through mm-hmm. uh, more, th- and sometimes they can't even feel what they're going through; just the other person can. That was kind of weird, uh, but but cool. Like like where lands like I shouldn't have drank so much. You get you get emotional. Yeah, <laughs> when he says that to her, yeah. I'm like, oh yeah, she's drunk. Yeah, <laughs> she feels drunk. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, and uh, and they they. It's interesting that uh, I'm sorry. I'm going to get a little. I'm trying not to get a little crude here, but uh, they uh, they even imply like they they hook up with each other. Yeah. Uh, but if they feel only what the other person's feeling, they're basically hooking up with themselves. <laughs> like you've never <laughs> done that. Do what? Like you've never done that. <laughs> I know. Uh, but I'm just saying it's uh, it's just funny. That's yeah. Okay, so that's what's happening here, kind of. <laughs> and uh, but but yeah, I like the the bond that they have and all that kind of stuff. So I'm again, I'm not trying to totally like crap on the show by any means. I, I like the show; it's been good. It just hasn't been great to me. Um, I, I think it could still get great. It's just it's to me. I've been very unimpressed with the Randolph Thor character that uh, that Egwin chose not to be with. Yeah. And, uh, I just. I need more out of that because so far the, it's he just, is the most milk toast. I will agree, he is the most milk oh, toast of the characters. That's, that's a great way to put it. But and, I, and Matt Calton's like, I've got somewhere to go because I have kids, kind of. 
uh, that I take care of. All right, fine, but like, be, do something, be something. I, I don't know. And, and the fact that he got the thing inside him, okay, that's a little bit better because uh, there'll be something to 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 genuine. I just think it's taken a while to get going. That's all. That's all. I, I feel mean, like they're moving. I feel like what's happened in these five episodes could have happened in three. I disagree. I disagree with you big time. There's a lot that's going on, and they have to listen. There's a lot of different characters that you have to be introduced. Not only have to be introduced to in the first one, but they have to expand on that. And that's the whole part. The journey that they're going through is not just a physical one. It's an emotional one that they're kind of dealing with all this. Not only they lost all their people. They're they've had to abandon their home. They find out that they may be these dragons or whatever and they're having to deal with this and I, I i think you went into this deciding that you weren't going to like it and it's kind of had that resonance it's no, been better no, than I, you thought and you still don't like it though i disagree because i really like the first two and my whole you my did not like the first it, two no my, you my went into it saying it, you watched the first one and told me no this is like a weak game that's, of thrones that's because i fell asleep in the pilot then i then i then i went back and i finished the pilot and then it ended with the battle scene in the uh, uh, the the village. Yeah. And I was like, oh, these are menacing creatures. I I, I didn't think that's where this was going to go. And then and then I saw the second episode where they're on the run from them and the uh, and the girls like hiding in the in the water from them and all this stuff. And it was like truly like they do a good job of of it's terror. You know that these things are going to find you. And they're going to kill you. And there's nothing you can do to stop them. Uh, and I loved it. I was fully back on board. That's when I texted uh, you and another friend of ours. And I said, "You know what? I might have been wrong. This is actually this is actually pretty darn good." And then the third episode is where it lost me. And I was like, "Oh man!" Uh, and it just it just it to me it's the pacing and the direction of it. It's it's I I just I'm having I'm having a lot of trouble watching another one. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try, but I'm having a lot of trouble forcing myself to watch another one because it's just. I feel like some of the storylines maybe wait on them. The others you need to have, but like let's make them move a little faster. Um, I, as much as I didn't like some aspects of Game of Thrones, what I did like was that they went, you know what, we've got a lot of characters. Let's have an episode that kind of features three of them, and then next episode feature the other three, and that way we can so, get more so your, time with you. So your solution to it going too slow is that you want to slow it down. Is that I no, but that you could have. Uh, Instead of trying to show me uh, six different characters all having a slow por portion of the arc of their story in the first season, uh, give me three and take me all the way through it in an episode so that I have some so that I have some forward momentum with each episode but, with each character. But they all I, are have to arrive at the tower around the same time. There's only they three. Still can't. There's only three episodes left. So it's this is the middle part. This is where you this is where you have the. The story. This is where you envelop more on what's going on. The beginning was was quick paced and was very interesting. I thought I I've been interested the whole time. But the first two, the, everything else has not been quick paced. It has been just horribly slow. I, I, the third, I, third, fourth, and fifth episode have been very slow. So the executive, the showrunner, this the executive producer was also was the executive producer for uh, Agents of Shield, which I felt. Is very similar to that. I think we're just not going to agree on this one, and uh, we'll just have Fair to move enough. on <laughs> to the next one. Uh, and I don't think either of us is going to argue about this one. And that's Hawkeye. So we've got the was it fourth episode, four of six, only six episodes. That's such a bummer. Yeah, only six episodes, and we got the fourth one uh, of Hawkeye, and um, it's delightful. I mean, the same thing we talked about last time. It's been really good. We kind, I mean, J Duquesne is. Clearly, the bad guy now, played by Tony Dalton, who is 
who has been amazing. And uh, we even get to see uh, Florence Pugh make a uh, an appearance. And she's in three episodes. I'm guessing it'll be the final three. But she shows up fighting Jeremy Renner on uh, the rooftop. And you think that it's Echo. But then Echo is fighting Kate Bishop inside that, the apartment. So now we know... Uh, we knew Florence Pugh was going to be in it, and now we see that she's here. And Jeremy Renner's like, we are in so much trouble. Because uh, now they, someone hired the Black Widow after us. And we know, you know, Scarlett Johansson was the Black Widow. But now it's Florence Pugh since her sister is dead. And uh, Well, he, he said a Black Widow assassin. A, bl- so a he's Black acknowledged, Widow. He's, he's acknowledged that there's Black Widow assassins, meaning there's way more than just one Black Widow. I gotcha. Um, so, yeah, he said there's a Black Widow assassin who's been hired to kill us. So... Uh, so there's some problems now. What was exciting to me was not just that there was Black Widow person uh, or Hitman, you know, sent to kill him. It was who did it. So yeah. they show they show at the beginning. You know, the cliffhanger in the last episode was that Jack pulls the sword on to uh, on Clint's neck and says, "Don't move." Right. And uh, in the comics, Jack Duquesne was known as the Swordsman, uh, which you know the bat- his father was killed by a sword. He's got a sword affinity. So they're kind of telegraphing that that's what this is going to be uh, and that he would potentially be the big bad. We even find out that he's the CEO of the, uh, the tracksuit gangs company, whatever they're called, uh, tracksuit mafia. Um, but what what's interesting is we know that the mom did not like that they were looking into it using her computer. Uh, they they she knows something about Jack. Right. She knows something. And uh, when they leave. Uh, the second they walk at the door at the beginning, she gets on the phone and she says, I believe she said, we have a problem. It's a big one. And so who's she talking to? Because Jack's still there. So she's talking to somebody else and there's somebody above both of them uh, that she needs to get. Uh, she needs to get a problem solved. So in my opinion, she just called the Black Widow assassin or called somebody who could get the Black Widow assassin to take care of it for her. Um, also, she went out of her way to harm Hawkeye but not harm Kate Bishop yeah. meaning Kate Bishop's mom and, and, and potentially uncle were the ones that sent her and said don't don't harm Kate uh, so that was all really interesting uh, really liked that I liked that they telegraphed it with the uh, right before they go there uh, they get all their trick arrows in a bag that literally says bombshell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bombshell in here uh, and, then, uh, and then we see Florence Pugh which you know for a lot of people keep in mind that didn't see a lot of people don't stick around for post credits. So there's a lot of people who didn't realize that she had been sent after Hawkeye by Valentina, uh, with, with lies, by the way. Well, somewhat oh, that's saying, right. He's from, the one that from the black killed. widow movie, right? Yes. Yeah, so at the end of the black widow movie, they show her crying at the grave and Valentina shows up. It's like, Hey, you want to get some vengeance on the guy that did this to, to your sister? Oh, um, that's right. which, which is like true, but not true. Right. So like she's manipulating, she's manipulating the truth to get what she wants out of Florence Pugh. Um, so, yeah. So maybe Valentina's the one ahead of it all. And then and then also I just wanted to point out Hawkeye, as he leaves the apartment, texts his wife. Uh, we've never really known what she does, by the way. We just yeah. know she's his wife and mother of his kids. Uh, he's like, can you look into Sloan LTD? And it's like how can she look into Sloan LTD, right? Like, yeah. she, how does she have this high-level clearance to it? Maybe she was from S.H.I.E.L.D., and that's where they met. No big deal. Um, but she does, and she gets gets to him, 
And uh, when she sends him the information that Jack is the CEO or calls him and tells him that Jack's the CEO, uh, Clint says, okay, so he's laundering money for the big guy. Okay. That's the exact sentence he uses. So who's the big guy? Kingpin. Um, yeah, I think we're, we're leading to it could be Kingpin. But what was interesting, too, was I thought, you know, Marvel loves to misdirect. I don't think this is true, but I thought what a fun misdirect it would be that nobody would see coming would be that her mom is the Kingpin. Because uh, oh. her mom is ahead of everybody, runs the security, yeah. potentially called the Black Widow after him, and is in charge of uh, Jack Duquesne's company. And, and Jack's father did not like that she was the threat that she was, and she was moving in on their ter- territory. I'm like, why do we assume that the that the Kingpin's D'Onofrio? Yeah. It could be that we have Kingpin, but we've already been seeing Kingpin all along. So I don't know. It, it It's kind of funny because you don't know where they could go with this, right? People are like, oh, well, it's going to be her, her uncle, uh, Echo's uncle, who, who was the uh, kingpin in the comics. Okay, well... Well, and also the, the kingpin weird... in the show. They show... I mean, they didn't straight up... They showed a they big showed guy a in a hand suit. They showed a hand in a jacket. And you heard the voice, and it sounded like Vincent D'Onofrio. Well, uh, they're denying that that was him, but who knows? But ah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But, but here's the weird thing. So, Maya Lopez, this is the daughter of William Lopez, who were both played by Indians, uh, <laughs> being Hispanic people in the show. Uh, the only other Hispanic person in the show that could be her William Lopez's brother is actually playing a French guy, <laughs> being the Tony Dalton uh, is playing the French guy. So it's just kind of funny. There, there's uh, there's no other people. You know, D'Onofrio being his brother would be a little weird. So I think it's going to be adopted, right? It's being not Jack be blood Duc- oh, being Lopez. No, no. He said, yeah. I don't think there are actually William Lopez's it, yeah, brother in the comics. He's the adopted. Uh, father yeah. of Echo, and so yeah, I don't think, I think Zon McLarnan was just working for the Kingpin, and I think Kingpin probably may have seen something in yes. Maya Lopez. In Maya Lopez, yeah, yeah. Uh, for potential, and then kind of maybe after uh, Zon McLarnan goes dies, then Kingpin brings her on and turns her into a lethal weapon. Because didn't he do the same thing with um, Electra? He did to a degree, yeah. and and yeah, and the little things in the show are just what I'm really loving. Is that uh, I mean the the I think uh, I've heard people just say it's just a warm Christmas movie, you know, a family movie. It's fine, and I'm like, yeah, it is. It's great. It's fun. Yeah. But like the wit between the two characters, I mean, the fact that Kate Bishop is so delightfully awkward uh, and not ready for, for everything yet. Jeremy Rivers. I mean, to the fact that he's like, is that a dry erase marker? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's drawing the plan up on this expensive painting. She's like, <gasps> it is Sharpie. Uh, and then like teaching her about the, uh, the coin, uh, you know, hurt, hurting people from coin from, from 20 yards away or whatever. Yeah. Um, the, the, the last, the tongue in cheek thing they had on the USB arrow, the last episode for those who, who haven't watched what if there's this great scene where, um, they're trying to get Modoc out of uh, some some facility in in the Soviet Republic where Winter Soldier's from, and they're trying to hurry before the Ultrons get there. And Clint's really high up, and he pulls this arrow that has a USB dongle on the front of it and shoots it into the computer from like extremely far away to help steal that information quickly and get out of there. And, and everyone's like USB arrow, yeah. <laughs> and this quickly they were able to write in that joke and she's like and kate bishop pulls a usb arrow last episode and and shoots it at the russian guy <laughs> the Mafia guy and you're like usb arrow uh yeah so it was great that they were able to write that in real quickly but then 
then the little stuff's been fun. Like, uh, like they're all still injured. Kazi, uh, Kate Bishop, Hawkeye, all the injuries they've sustained through this whole episode, they're still there. They still yeah. have the bandages from an episode. I like that they that they carry that on. Uh, and then the the like little parts where he's like teaching her like prioritize a quick exit over a quick entrance. Uh, I would put money that that exact phrase is used in another Marvel movie. Yeah, uh, where she's got where she's got a little more depth and she's she's prioritized her exit uh, instead of doing what she what she's done in this one. So that kind of thing, like it's just it's really working. And uh, I really like the part about uh, the kind of backstory of the best shot he took was the one he didn't take, uh, yeah. which is he could tell she wanted to get out. And I don't know about you, but I felt they were setting up that she was going to uh, not take the shot on Echo. Uh, Echo Echo was going to be there and she was going to realize that Echo wanted to be good in some way at some point and so didn't take the shot so the first thing is so and they show Echo you know attacking on the rooftop Kate immediately pulls and shoots on, on Echo and even and hits her hits her with the arrow causes her damage so she didn't hesitate yeah. uh, so that was not that setup. however very shortly after she sees Florence Pugh's character and it's time for her to take the shot and, and win the battle because Clint's on the ground and she looks at her and she can't do it. She can't take the shot. Um, so I think telegraphing that the next, you know, uh, uh, Hawkeye and, and Black Widow team up in friendship is going to be the two of them. Yeah, could be right. I don't know. There, there's a lot to there's a lot of good stuff here. This is it, the tone has been great throughout. It's been it, it's been good because like you kind of see Jeremy Renner's looking for a family. So is Kate Bishop, really. And um after her mom said, look, I can't afford to lose Kate, I think Kate loses her mom. Like you were saying, she could end up being the bad, the big bad for this one. And then it would, like, what's Kate going to do? So I could see Clint taking her in and then training her. But, uh, no, it's been fantastic. I mean, I'm that makes a lot of sense. And what Linda Cardellini, uh, who's got some background in the, you know, she's got, she's not just a damsel in distress at home. You know, she's she's got some She's got some backstory to her, but no, it's the been fun fantastic. One, yeah. 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 And the fun thing to think about too, is that not only do we have all the, the, the Easter eggs of, of Kingpin being laid, but who does the watch belong to? Yeah. Clint right. says it's somebody I used to work with. And if, and if this gets out, his, uh, his identity is uh, going to be revealed. Uh, so, uh, and you know, bye-bye friend is what he said. So, somebody would go after the guy he used to work with if somehow they find out who it is. I'm really curious who that watch belongs to because it's not anyone we know of that's still around. So either yeah. it's a character that helped train him and made Hawkeye who he is a long time ago. Um, it's Nick Fury's, uh, which wouldn't be his identity, but it would be able to show people he's not on the earth or something maybe. Yeah. Um, or which I'm, I'm not too married to that one. Oh, you know what it could be? It could be a, one of the, the scroll that's uh, masquerading as uh, Nick Fury. Absolutely. could be. It could be Talos, and it could be... Uh, uh, oh, gosh. I just had it. Oh, and as you say, it could be Steve Rogers. That's a good point. Yeah. It could be point. old old man Steve Rogers. It's an old friend of his. He used to work with him. He doesn't want his identity given away because he's too old to protect himself anymore now. And uh, people would still want revenge on the guy. So he's trying to live his life out peacefully somewhere. So could be Steve Rogers would be kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to our last uh, our, our last thing. And that was something that I watched. I was kind of looking forward to this. 
Um, it's a Ridley Scott movie. The cast is loaded. Seemed like could be kind of interesting. Uh, House of Gucci. And so this one stars pretty much Jared, oh, I'm sorry, Adam Driver and Lady Gaga. And I tell you what, Lady Gaga is becoming a pretty good actress. She's good in this. She looks very much like, I, I went and looked at the people, what they actually look like. And she looks the closest to what the actual person looked like. Um, Adam Driver, of course, is fantastic. Uh, Jeremy Irons is in it a bit and is great. Al Pacino is great. Jared Leto is so, he steals it. He's kind of like, he's almost a little bit silly um, in his portrayal, but I don't know what Paolo Gucci was like, but he's fantastic. Jack Houston's in it, who's good. And I, I tell you, I never, he just kind of pops up occasionally and I don't really see him a ton, but uh, this, it was, it was good enough. It was very slow burn. The pace was, the pace took a while. It took a while for you to get to where you wanted to go, but overall, it was decent. Um, if you got nothing to do, go check it out. I would give it like a 7.8 just because the acting in the story is interesting, and seeing Jared Leto uh, was pretty great. But uh, ah, it was okay. All right, fair enough. I mean, yeah. I do want to see Jared Leto, to be honest. Yeah, it got a 7.0 on IMDb, so it makes it about an 8 in real life, which I would say is fair. Uh, and then sixty-one percent from critics, eighty-three percent from audience, and I would, I would say, I would say a seven point eight is probably about where this belongs. Fair enough. That is everything we have for this week. I know a packed episode. Uh, we have more news coming this week because we've been back, you know, pretty far back on that. And then we're going to try to get some announcement trailers. Until then, catchphrase. What are you talking? Thank you.